Welcome to the Western CUNA Management School Alumni Association Frogcast. I'm Shauna Shearson from the Epsilon Class of 2007. And I'm Ryan Kane from the Mu Class of 2014. Western CUNA Management School is a three-year credit union leadership program intended to give credit union leaders a deep dive into the purpose and mission of operating a cooperative business model. Unlike any other program in the industry, this immersive experience is held each year on the beautiful Pomona College campus. Come along as we jump into a conversation of head and heart. Well, thanks for joining me today, Ryan, guest hosting. They're and big shoes to fill. <laughs> they, they are, but you, you've got this covered, I have no doubt. And we have a very heavy hitter for our guest today. Yes, yes, we have Caroline Willard, and I can't be more excited to, to fill in an interview here. I think we're going to have a great time. Um, I, I just really excited about this. I don't get the opportunity to talk to people of this stature very often, so I'm very excited about it. Me too. And so our, our guest today, as you said, um, is Caroline Willard. She started her credit union career at American First Credit Union. Then she worked for Co-op Financial Services for over a decade. And during her time at Co-op, she was vice president of corporate development, senior vice president of business development and marketing, and the executive vice president of markets and strategy. Um, she's been pivotal and a credit union leader in California and now serves as the president and CEO of the Cornerstone League. So thanks for being here, Caroline. Well, I'm happy to be here. I've uh, got a little bit of history with WCMS because I used to go to the graduations because I'd always know someone who's graduating and then got to know Dr. Likens before he retired. And, and then obviously, because I'm a league president. I'm very close to Diana Dykstra, so I, I love the program and I'm happy to support however I can. Oh, we're excited to have you here. And as a league president, you've, you've been president and CEO of the Cornerstone League for over six years. Um, can you give us an idea of some of the critical decisions you've made to drive growth and innovation? Um, for example, the, the recent rebrand? Well, yeah, and I can't take any of the credit for the rebrand, except for, I think at one point saying, hey, I think it's time to dust that thing off. Um, it was starting to look a little dusty and stale the way brands do after some time. And so just even just starting with graphically, uh, it looked like it was time for a change. And then we were growing. And so it was it was definitely in the hands of our very capable, capable marketing department to, to breathe new life into our organization. But um, we've done a lot. I mean, I've been there six years and I, I think some of the biggest changes have been in the talent because we have grown. Uh, we've, we were originally just the Texas Credit Union League founded in 1934. In 2013, we merged uh, with Oklahoma and Arkansas to become a three-state league. And then on December 31st of last year, we added Missouri and Kansas. So those were big decisions. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot to kind of get to the place where you're ready for a merger and where you've got the right team in place. And uh, we changed our bylaws along the way so that we'd have room to expand our board in the event that we did do a, a, a merger of any kind, because you've got to have room to bring in people from the other states. And so uh, those those were some pretty big milestones for Cornerstone. But um I think just overall, in terms of decision-making, 
pretty much everything we do is driven by listening to our credit unions, hearing what they need, and then that helps us to prioritize where we spend our time. And so, you know, in recent years, they've really been crying out because of the need to uh, hire capable people. And so we've built out our executive search and professional staffing function, for example. We're now doing that business in 48 states. And so we are way beyond our, our traditional footprint <clears throat> with some of those services. That's amazing. When you think about rebrand, often we just think about the marketing brand, but really it takes every aspect of the organization to support that. So that's that's really incredible. One of your other roles is as the vice chair of the CUNA board. And so we'd love to hear your thoughts on what's happening at a national level in our country that's going to impact our industry. Yeah, well, there, thank you for the question. It's it's a busy time. Um, of course, I never say that it's it's just, you know, sunshine and unicorns, right? It's there's always a lot to do. And and you know, one of the things that CUNA has been working on for several years now is a an initiative called Financial Wellbeing for All. And you know, CUNA, just like Cornerstone, is an advocacy organization through and through. And so what this initiative is designed to do is to quantify the great work that credit unions are doing. So we know credit unions are doing a good job of serving their communities. And anecdotally, we've got great stories to tell. But when you're sitting down with a legislator, what really helps is good data. And so CUNA has purchased, I think, 30 billion records from Experian so that we can quantify just how well credit unions are serving their communities as compared to, say, banks. And, you know, we know, for example, that they are making more auto loans to people of modest means than are their banking brethren. And so that's a big initiative that's taken a few years, and now we're really getting to see the fruits of that labor. And then, you know, something that's not not um, hot or that's not a multi-year effort, but that just happened uh, yesterday um, is that, you know, we've got new bills dropping all the time. And we had one drop on a federal level yesterday uh, on the topic of credit card interchange. And so as, as the vice chair of CUNA, my other role is to chair the advocacy committee for CUNA. And so, okay, game on, you know, this major bill dropped the last time we had an interchange bill drop. It was in, uh, I believe it was 2010 where Durban 1.0 kind of took a haircut to our debit card interchange. And now Durban is once again looking to do the same thing to credit card interchange. And we know that would be bad for credit unions because a lot of them, frankly, are operating credit card programs barely at a break even or sometimes even at a loss. And so any any harm that might come to the income that they derive from credit card transactions is a bad thing. And so we're looking to just kill that bill as fast as we can. I'm uh, personally invested because Senator Marshall from Kansas, which is one of the five states we serve, uh, is the original sponsor of the Senate version of the bill, along with Dick Durbin. So uh, we've got work to do. And it's one of those times when, all right, well, this is what being an advocacy organization is all about. So sat in on meetings yesterday with, uh, you know, CUNA legislative affairs and government affairs people. And then today I brought all that back uh, to the five different executive directors for the five different state organizations that we run for advocacy within the cornerstone footprint. So quickly connecting those dots and making sure that we have a solid 
strategy and game plan for swatting this thing down because this thing needs to not uh, be signed into law. You know, coming from a smaller credit union, it's always fascinating for myself and I'm sure many others uh, to hear what's going on at the national level and to have uh, people like you fighting for the rest of us. And we really appreciate that. Um, while doing our prep work for this podcast, we noticed a quote attached to your LinkedIn profile and it said, be ashamed to die until you have won a victory for humanity. Uh, can you tell us about this quote, like who said it and what it means to you? I certainly can, because uh, I have a whiteboard in my office, and that same quote was written on my whiteboard because it was uttered by uh, Louise Herring, who's one of the original founders of the credit union movement. And I didn't know much about Louise Herring until I went to development educator school in 2018. So I am a DE, and that's one of the uh, one of the initials after my name. <laughs> um, and and so I learned about all of the different pioneers. And what fascinated me about Louise Herring in particular is that she was the Ohio delegate to the 1934 National Credit Union Conference in Estes Park, Colorado. She was a woman in her early 20s. And there's a funny story about the way that that meeting was organized. So you can picture 1934, the way you get from Ohio to Colorado is by train. And so here are all these delegates on this train. And um, I think it was Roy Bergengren, who's another one of the pioneers of the credit union movement. He looked around and kind of was taking role to take note of which delegates had made it onto the train. And he got down to Ohio and he's looking around saying, I don't see anyone here from Ohio. Well, it's because it was a woman from Ohio and he was expecting a man. And so I kind of love that part of the story, but I also love that, you know, she, uh, she worked for Kroger grocery store and personally helped found over 500 credit unions by herself. Right. So that's incredible that she, you know, in her, in her relative youth, um, that she was that instrumental in building out the movement. Now, granted, a lot of these were volunteer run credit unions. They're not what we think of today, but still they were uh, 500 individual charters. And then from there, she went on to found, to be the initial, I think it was executive secretary of the Ohio Credit Union League. So here she is, she's a, she's a pioneer. She's a, she's one of our, you know, first uh, leaders in the movement. She's a female, she's a league president. <laughs> I feel like she's my spirit animal. So I, I just, I love her and I love that quote. And so I do try to live that every day. I, um, I don't think it's enough that we just do our jobs. We've got to be mission driven. And, you know, like last year, I got invited to help some credit unions in Africa. You know, they they needed a training facility because there just wasn't a great place for credit in folks to go and, and get training. And so um, there's a, an organization called Acosca. They're located in Nairobi and they put together a fundraiser. You know, some of you may have done walkathons. They did a fundraiser, but it was we got asked to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and raise money uh, to help build this credit union facility or SACO facility in, in Nairobi. And so we did it and we flew to Kenya. We did. We were there for a few days and then we uh, took a bus to, to uh, Tanzania and uh, started the ascent. We were on the mountain for six days and raised a bunch of money. So that credit union or SACO is what they call them, the credit union people in uh, 
in uh, the continent out throughout the continent now have a better place to go get training and so that they can lift up their credit unions which of course lifts up their their communities and so it's not enough for me to sit in Plano, Texas and do the work that I do. I think sometimes you've got to reach way beyond your borders and give what you can. That's incredible. And it certainly sounds like you're following Louise Herring's advice. And thank you for that wonderful little history lesson, because I was not familiar with her. And um, going back to the quote, be ashamed to die until you have one victory for humanity. It sounds like she was not ashamed to die. Um, she said, it sounds like she oh. had many, many victories. So definitely someone for us to aspire to be like, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And her son is still alive. And I, and uh, still, he goes to Washington, D.C. with the Ohio Credit Union League. I got to spend some time with him last year. So, yeah, she's she's pretty special and uh, someone who inspires me for sure. Outstanding. And somebody who uh, was definitely involved and created a legacy of advocacy work, which brings me to my next question, which when you started out your career, it was not with the intention that you would be spending the majority of your time in advocacy. So how how was the transition? Uh, I mean, you, you went to a very different role. And so how, you know, how was it for you? And what recommendations do you have for people who want to be more involved in advocacy work that how do they get their start? I thank you for the question. I, I, uh, when I was at a credit union, which was American first credit union in La Habra, California, because I'm a native Californian, even though I live in Texas now, but, uh, so I was at this credit union and the CEO sort of made a passing comment, like, you know, I think we should be more involved in legislative affairs. And I really didn't know much about that, but he he allowed me to attend the CUNA Government Affairs Conference. I think the first one I went to was in 2003, so 20 years ago. And uh, he said, just see what you learn and come back and tell us what, what we might do to get more involved. And so I went and I was just awestruck. I think there were probably about 4,000 credit union people there. And I got to go hike the hill and I got to meet members of Congress and I got to talk about credit union issues and why, why we needed members of Congress to support the things that were important to credit unions. And that was all it took for me because I thought that is amazing. You get to be part of the process. You get to, you know, represent your members to elected officials. And so I came back and with my CEO's permission and blessing, I, I put together a payroll deduction program so that our employees were contributing to our pack so that we could support credit union friendly candidates. And we um, put together, you know, we had people sign permission agreements so that they could get involved in that kind of thing. We brought, you know, each successive year, we brought more people to the GAC. We brought people to all of the events that the California Credit Union League hosted so that we could get engaged and really make our voices be heard. And so, did get some some experience early on, sort of building out a legis legislative affairs function from scratch. And uh, so that was super fun. And then I moved to co-op, um, now co-op solutions, and did do some ad hoc kinds of legislative work for them. I know there's a data privacy bill early in my tenure with, with co-op and we hated that. It, um, I think it was SB1 back in the day, and uh, it was a California bill. And so we we worked on that. Most notably, though, while I was at co-op, we definitely worked on 
the Dodd-Frank Amendment um, or the Durbin Amendment to the Dodd-Frank Act. I think that was in 2010. And so actively, you know, helped write testimony about interchange, uh, debit card interchange uh, back in the day because co-op, of course, processes debit and credit cards. And so we knew a little bit about that. And I had a, I had some technical expertise and so lent that to an advocacy effort. So those are sort of the fledgling seeds uh, that were planted for an advocacy career. So it was a leap for me to take a job as a league president. I did not, a lot of league presidents are lawyers or they've worked on the Hill or in some way built up, you know, uh, some kind of career in advocacy or government relations. And, um, and I hadn't. And so one thing I would say to folks who uh, maybe are still in an earlier phase of their career than I am, <laughs> uh, is that uh, take those leaps. You just don't know. You don't know if you're going to be good at something some in, until you've tried it. And, um, you know, I knew, I think, enough uh, to be informed and to step into the role. But boy, have I learned a lot in the last six years. And it's been very rewarding to roll up my sleeves, understand how all now all five of our state houses work, how DC works, how you introduce legislation, how you work it, how you prevent things from getting passed when they're harmful to something you care about. And so uh, it, it, uh, it was a bit of DIY <laughs> on my part. I didn't have, I, I did go to, I will say, I, I, um, I was a long time participant in a lot of the things that Q's does and Q's back in the day had a public policy institute. I did go to that. And that was a whole week uh, with the, uh, with that group uh, in Washington, learning about how public policy is created. So did, you know, invest some time in my own education, but I would say, and I'm, I'm, I'm long-winded on this, I'm sorry, but I'm passionate about building out your career by just trying things, maybe getting more education, uh, I will tell you, I did just last year go back and get certified uh, in um, in uh, the ASAE or American Society of Association Executives. Right, so you go back and you get more training along the way, um, and that's that's how I've done it. It's DIY. Wow, uh, Caroline. One of my biggest takeaways from this uh, this discussion is that we really should be appreciative of that conversation a couple decades ago, where someone had the foresight to say maybe we should get more involved. And so yeah. uh, that that's one of my big takeaways. And and another one is um, I'm really excited about learning more about Louise Herring. Uh, thank you for introducing myself to her. Probably many others. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a, a rabbit hole I'm going to go down. Um, I pulled up something while you were speaking and found that she's sometimes called the mother of credit unions. Just yeah. a, a fascinating story. Thank you for that. I really I love her. That. Yeah. Yeah. I want to call back to being more data driven and um, the work that that you're doing there. I've heard the the saying, what gets measured gets done. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some sometimes we we can get too deep into our data, but but without it, we uh, one doesn't move the needle as much, and two, we don't have the evidence of the great work that credit unions are doing. So um, thank you for helping to champion that. This has well, been a great conversation. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Right. Oh, it was it was great fun. And I, I'm I'm a big fan of WCMS and all the folks associated with that. So I'm happy to lend a hand. Awesome. Thank you. And to our listeners, if you like this episode, please subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you have any feedback or want to recommend future guests, let us know at wcmsalumni.org. To support the Alumni Association and help us fund future WCMS scholarships, please visit our website and you can listen to prior Frogcast episodes. Thanks for listening to the WCMS Frogcast today. And until next time, start early. And start often.